Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! Today, we are going to start the first Sunday of Googling God, and this is based on a resource that I came across a while ago that I thought was super helpful and super interesting, and I thought, man, that would be great to turn into a sermon series, and so I am. So a lot of this stuff is just me walking through this. Uh, it's, it's really lengthy, so I've just kind of chopped it down into just a handful of questions and just a handful of points from this document, but we are making it available online. Uh, and we'll, if you're on the emailing list, we're going to send that out as well, just so you can see kind of a, a more in-depth approach. Um, because this series is going to be a month long, stepping out of Genesis for a little bit, but it's, um, it's different than what we're normally doing. Because in a book of like Genesis, right, we're going to do it more expositorily, so that means I'm just going to go like verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Whereas this is going to be like, a, like some philosophy, right, some science, some history, and some scripture. And so if you're a nerd, you're going to really love this series. And if you're a curious person, you'll still love this series because I think it's going to land no matter where you are. Because what we want to do here at Quaybog Church, if you haven't picked up yet, is we really have a desire to equip you, if you are a follower of Jesus, to actually follow Jesus. Surprise, surprise, right? That's what we want to do at church. But also, skeptics are welcome, right? So if you're a skeptic and you're here, or if you're watching and you're like, ah, I'm not sold. Hopefully, like, this can be something that um, allows you to have a little bit of, okay, that's something to consider, right? That's also what the series is for. And thirdly, for those of you that do know Jesus and, like, yeah, I'm all in, I'm, I'm all on board, like, you've got people in your life that are asking these questions, right? And these are questions that we often, like, get tripped up on. We get nervous uh, to answer. I, I know a lot of Christians that are like, oh, man, I just... I don't know the right answers. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a pastor and either do I. Welcome to the club, right? And imagine being a pastor and not having all the answers. Now the pressure's really on, right? Like, well, he does this professionally, he doesn't know, right? But we're not going to have all the answers and that's okay, right? So I want to give you, I want to start off with two different verses to just help you understand the driving force behind this series. Like, why are we doing this? And what's our framework for wanting to equip you? And then also, how do you go out and talk about it? So the first one comes from Ephesians 4. And again, this is Quaybog Church equipping you. It's us being committed to this passage. So listen to this. So Jesus gave some to be different offices in the church. First, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some, like myself, pastors, teachers, right? So you have these different offices in the church. Now, why would Jesus structure his church to be like this? Well, the next verse gives us the answer. It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. So here's where, uh, like, when we see a verse like this in a Quaybog church, when we talk about the inverted pyramid of Christian leadership, leaders here, whether they're on the worship team or whether they're myself or another person on staff or another, like, leader in any area of ministry, these people are not put in positions up and over everybody. At Quaybog church, we want to follow the model of Christ and say, no, our leader is at the bottom of a pyramid. And we are committed to that. Like, we are lead servants that are not at the top of a ladder. We're at the bottom of the pyramid, and we exist to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to invest in other people. Like, that's what we want to do. So this series is just one of these things where we are investing in you so that you can know your faith a little bit better, but then also take it into the world, 
And then if you're not, like, we still, again, if you're not a believer, we still want to present some good evidence for the things that we believe. Right? And then so, on First Peter 3, the next one, how should we talk about these things? All right? So, this is a verse about, like, living out your faith. So, even if you should suffer for righteousness, you're blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated by the people that are persecuting you for your faith. So if you actually do live out your faith, your faith, believe it or not, if you're a Christian, is supposed to be disruptive. It's not supposed to be, like, gentle and behind the scenes. Like, Christianity has always been a burr in the saddle of the established authority. Like, always. Like, genuine, authentic Christianity has. So if you're being intimidated, you know, like if people are trying to intimidate your attack, don't be scared. Right? Next verse. But... In your hearts, regard Christ, the Lord, as holy. So He is our Lord. Well, I'm going to live my life according to what He said, because He is my Lord. But now, when we're talking about these things, and this is where we can go wrong, I see a lot of Christians that get really angry when they defend their faith. And then we get in this mindset that, like, I don't know why, but if I call you a moron, that's going to, like, open the door in your heart to listen to me. Right? Because I personally love when people call me an idiot. Yeah, I mean, like... Give me more. I just, I, oh, what, what do you have to say to me? Because I want to listen to every single syllable, right? No. So when we're defending our faith, right, this is the model, this is the pattern we get, all right? So we need to be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason, right? Don't be shy. Don't be scared. Don't think you need to know every answer. But have a reason for what you believe. Use your brain. We're not called to just completely blind, ignorant, dummy butt faith, right? But when you do this here, how should we do that, right? Again, this is the part we get wrong. Last part of the verse here. Do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep a clear conscience so that when you are accused because you're living out your faith, when that happens, because of the way you live, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. Because everybody's going to know, no, that's actually not that person. You know why? Because they put their money where their mouth is. They actually live this stuff out. Because, again, the call to follow Christ is not an easy one, but it's the best one. Right? But it's, it's, it's like real nuts and bolts, like life kind of stuff that we need to do. Now, this particular series we're doing, so that's our, our framework, just biblically, what are we trying to do with this stuff? But the reason we're doing this series is because these are the questions, according to Google statistics, that people are asking. These are the top, like year after year, types of questions about God, and just in the English-speaking world. Like, this has nothing to do with anybody outside an English-speaking country. But in that world, in the English-speaking Google world, 50,000 times or so a year, people are asking the question, how do I know that God is real? Right? They're asking that question. They want to know. Now, if you start adding in like, variations of that, is there any evidence for God? Now, when you take those types of questions and add those, now you're into the hundreds of thousands of uh, questions every year that people are asking about this kind of stuff. And so it is still pretty relevant. And so that's why we're getting into this series. But I want to start today a little bit differently because I want to share a story. And this story is written by a guy, a very short story, written by a guy named Francis Brown, and it's called Answer. And it was written in 1954. And I want you to notice there's two, this is a really interesting story, because again, mind you, this is 1954, this was written in. And I want you to notice the two things that are addressed in this story that we absolutely still struggle with today and that we still wonder about today. So here's this little, very interesting story called Answer by Frederick Brown. Nick ceremoniously soldered the final connection with gold. The eyes of a dozen television cameras watched him, and the hyperspace carried throughout the universe a dozen pictures of what he was doing. 
He straightened and nodded to Evan, then moved to a position beside the switch that would complete the contact when he threw it. Now, the switch that would connect all at once the monster computing machines of all the populated planets in the universe, 96 billion planets, thank you very much, into the super circuit that would connect them into one supercalculator, one cybernetics machine that would combine all the knowledge of all the galaxies. Evan spoke briefly to the watching and listening trillions, then after a moment's silence, he said, Now, Nick. Nick threw the switch. There was a mighty hum, the surge of power from 96 billion planets. Lights flashed, and everything quieted along the mile-long panel. Nick stepped back and drew a deep breath. The honor of asking the first question is yours, Evan. Thank you, said Evan. It shall be a question in which no cybernetics machine has ever been able to give an answer for. So he turned to face the machine and asked, Is there a God? The voice answered without hesitation, without the clicking of a single relay, Yes, now there is a God. Suddenly, fear flashed on the face of Nick. He leapt to grab the switch, but a bolt of lightning from a cloudless sky struck him and fused the switch shut. That's 1954 in a magazine called Astounding Science Fiction. The problem is, we call that reality today, right? So two things that we're wrestling with are the power and influence and the knowledge of computing power. Today, we live in a world where Terminator is only about three weeks away from happening. Right? And it's like chat GPT and like AI, all these things are really, like, really, really ramping up the things that they're able to do. Our own military is like, oh, what if this thing becomes self aware? What are we going to do? It's like, well, you probably should have thought that beforehand, right? And so there's like, there's this sense where just like them, nothing has changed. We feel like we're on the precipice of this absolute danger. And it's like, all right, well, we're probably not. Right? At the end of the day, we're probably not. Like, I'm not an alarmist. I'm a pretty calm person. Even if things are happening, I'm, I'm just a perpetual, like, optimist. I'm like, ah, oh, it'll be fine. Right? And so, with, with this scene, though, we're still wrestling with this. We're still wrestling with, again, information that's, like, that's pouring in. And we're still asking that question. Is there a God? Like, this is, like, you know, here we are all these years later, and this is still an issue. So, how I want this to, like, just to tie in and kind of guide what we're thinking. Is this access to information that is instant nowadays? And here's what this access to instant information has done to us. It's made us anxious. It's made us uh, doubtful of everything. It's made us overwhelmed. And it's making a lot of people depressed. It's making people question their faith because there's so much out there. There's so much fake stuff out there that it's, it's getting really hard to define between what's real and what's not. I have a selfie of Jesus and the disciples that an AI computer model made. And I love it. I'm like, man, this is the greatest thing ever, right? I love it. And you can go online and you can see all these people like throughout history taking selfies with all their buddies. It's like little Napoleon, you know, he's like, this, right? you know, but you know, there's all these people, uh, like all this stuff. And people are like, they're looking to the internet and they're thinking, you know, I don't even know what to trust anymore. I asked my kids, I don't know, maybe a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, based on a conversation Pastor Tim and I were having. I said, hey, to Asher and Bear, I said, do you guys, like, what do you think about the internet? Like, when you are watching a, a YouTube reel or you're walking, watching something online, 
Is your first instinct to say, hey, this is fake? Or is your first instinct to say, this is real? And Bear was like, this is an innocent little guy. He was like, I mean, it's real. And I was like, you know, and I was like, no, man, just assume it's fake. And I said, like, because uh, he and just right after that tells me this example. He's like, yeah, I was watching like this guy on YouTube, and it's crazy. Like he does all these things all the time, and like, and he walked up to this trash can, and he just opened it up, and there was all this money, and he was like, this happens to me all the time. I see this all the time. It's how I make my living. I'm like, no, it's not. You're a liar. Nobody does that ever. That never happens ever. Nobody does that, right? But it's like this guy has all kinds of videos where he's just like, guys, let's see what we can find. What's in this trash can? Oh my gosh, it's keys to a new car. I'm like, oh my gosh, are we believing these things? You know? And it's like, uh, you know, but that's that's creating a disillusioned society. Because when people do cross that road eventually, it's like, oh my gosh, there's just garbage upon garbage. And then, then when we go to the internet to try to find questions to really deep and meaningful questions, we're finding like a, a like a cesspool of hate and sarcasm and fake and like on and on and on. And then you enter into that, you sprinkle into that, well, like, what about our faith? And it's like, well, now I don't know because we have decision fatigue, it's called, you know, and we just like, we're getting worn out by all the options. Even though all the information seems liberating, it's actually causing us a lot of stress. And I want you to think about because you, you felt this before. If you've ever been on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime Video and you've wasted 20 minutes of your life trying to find something to watch and you cannot find anything to watch out of thousands and thousands of things, right? And you're just like, I don't know what to watch. I don't want to waste any more of my life, right? And it's like, you know, because then you start feeling the pressure. Like, well, now I'm like, I'm going to commit like an hour and a half of my life to this. You know, like this has to be the best thing I've ever watched in my whole life, you know? And it's like decision fatigue. Or you go to a restaurant. You ever been to a restaurant where they think it's cool that they have 650,000 items? And I'm like, that's not cool, bro. I have no idea what I want to get. Just give me water so I can get out of here. Right? Decision fatigue. And so that's what is being done to us by all of this information. And it's creating a lot of cynics. It's creating a lot of people that feel like they can't find truth anywhere. And it's creating, and even in Christians, are deconstructing their faith because they're like, God, there's just so much information out there. There's so many religions. There's so many points of view. There's so many opinions. Ah. Do we just throw our hands up and just believe in maybe a deity? Do we just throw our hands up and like just, I don't know, maybe energy of the universe? You know, it's like, and that's what's happening to people because, again, information overload. But we are in a different time, certainly, than, than we were back then. Uh, but so now we have to have wisdom with what we see. We have to have wisdom and, like, and discernment. And so what I want to do during the series is just to try to help us understand this question, how is God real? Um, and I want to start with a couple of ideas, you know, a couple of things to help us like frame this, this question. But then I also, this morning, just I hope to give you like four or five just practical things to think about. We're starting from 30,000 feet today, so to speak. So we're starting big picture. And I just want us to think, okay, is there evidence for a God? Like, let's just start there. Now, of course, I'm a, a Christian pastor, so I'm not just a deist. I'm not just going to leave it there this morning. I want to, like, address a couple other things. But are there at least a few things that we can answer this question with? All right? So the first thing to address is the idea that science has killed God. Right? I know enough about the universe now and how the world works. I don't need God anymore. We don't need the God of the gap. Right? Because it used to be, well, if you don't know that, just plug a deity in there, and that's how that happened. It's supernatural. And now we're like, no, it's nuclear physics. And it's no, right? So we think we've explained our way. 
And that's a valid point. It really is, because for much of human history, that's kind of what it was. Well, I don't understand, so it must be God, right? And so that, that stereotype is kind of stuck. But what I think, though, is when I look at the world around us, I don't think it's a lack of information that drives me to God. I think it's a, 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 a total, like, just explosion of information as far as the, how the universe works and concrete facts that drive me to say, no, we do need a designer. Like, so it's not a lack of information. It's actually the abundance of information in this way that says, hey, this is a really great case for God. And those are actually some of the things I want to talk about this morning. Like, the case for a creator, right? Because I think you can make a pretty good one. And I'm only naming a few. I got sold it after the first, or the second service because somebody was like, why didn't you talk about this, that, and the other? And I'm like, well, I've got 30 minutes, all right? I can't, I can't do everything, right? But irreducible complexity, right? That's a great one. He scolded me and said I should have used that, and you should go look that up because it's very fascinating. But I'm not talking about it because I'm a slacker, okay? So, I don't believe science has killed God because it's like, we're, here's our analogy this morning. So this is a tablet, right? And it's handy. I use it for, like, everything. And I, I am, like, this is very, very complex, right? Super complex, actually. But just because we know how it was made does not take away the need for the designer. I'm not going to say, okay, I know how this is made. Therefore, whoever put this together, or your engineering team and all the people, are completely irrelevant. Like, that would be dumb. I'm not going to come up on this uh, in the trash can when I open it up and it's sitting there brand new for me. I'm not going to be like, oh, look, this thing just appeared out of nowhere in this trash can. No, somebody put it there and somebody else built it and then somebody else designed it, right? And so that's how I see this kind of path because I got a couple ideas here uh, along this idea. Knowing how something works, that is not the same as knowing why it works, right? A why is very, very important, especially with the universe, which we'll look at today. Next. Knowing something that exists, right? It's just a fact. It's a brute, objective fact. It exists. That's not the same as knowing where it came from, right? So just because I know how the universe works and I know that the universe exists really doesn't explain where did it come from and why is it here in the first place, right? Because things that don't exist aren't just all of a sudden like, you know what? I should get going. I should do this. That doesn't happen. That's not reality. And we know that from understanding the universe. So I just want us to think about those kind of important, and again, they're a little bit more philosophical, but just being able to think that way I think is helpful. Right, so here's my reasons. Here's some of the things that I think are at least interesting to consider when it comes to a God and the, the evidence for a God. So the first one would be the universe itself, right? Just the fact that the universe is here at all is very interesting because what do we know about the universe? And you're like, I don't know. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's pretty big. There's no stop signs at the end, as far as I know, right? But we do know two things, and this, this, like, this has to do with God, I promise. So we have, first and foremost, the universe had a beginning, right? Like, we know that now. That's measurable. We can see that. And secondly, we know that it's a physical thing, right? It's real. It's, like, physical. So we know everything that exists has to have a beginning, right? There's nothing just kind of, like, popping up out of nowhere. It's like, now everything is, is coming from something, right? And so... We know that the universe had a beginning. We know that it's limited by physical limitations. So, therefore, an argument that's a classic argument that can be made is, like, well, something that had no beginning and is not physical must be responsible for what has a beginning and is physical. So something outside of that, something behind that that is outside time, space, energy, matter, all those things, must be a mover, must be doing something. And that's a classic argument 
And it's the one that makes perfect sense, because especially now that we know more about the universe, it's like, okay, yeah, so it, it had, there had to be something going on there. But what I think is also really interesting is not just that it exists, not just that it, it looks designed, because there are atheist philosophers and scientists that will say, well, no, it's just the appearance of design. And I'm like, nay, nay, Mr. Scientist. I believe that it is design. That's why it looks like design. I look like a person because I am one, right? Like, it's not just the appearance. It's, this is actually something that's been designed. And so that's big picture. That's the universe. But also something really interesting is the fine-tuning of the universe. And this week when I was studying this, this was really fascinating to me because I am pretty nerdy and I do like things like this. But what I thought was cool was how in, in our universe, like, the probabilities, again, are amazing. So in our universe, there are 40 forces and mathematical equations that had to happen in a blink of an eye. Like, just had to happen. And not only had to happen, but had to happen perfectly. Like, boom! There was no time. It wasn't like, oh man, we messed that up. We should probably go back and fix that. It was like, this had to happen exactly right in a blink of an eye when everything began. And one example of this, just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about here, because I don't want to get too nerdy, but gravity, right? We all get gravity, right? We've all fallen upstairs. Admit it. Yeah, you've been going upstairs and falling, don't lie. That's gravity helping you out there, right? Now, gravity, though, is something that is crazy specific, and it's crazy specific to the beginning of everything, because physicists believe that if gravity was off by just one part, just one part, in 10 to the 60th power, we wouldn't have life. I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what 10 to the 60th power is. Like 60 zeros? I don't even know what's going on there. But just one part in 10 to the 60th power, we wouldn't even have life. What does that mean? So that means in the blink of an eye, in the blink of an eye or less than, when everything first started, if this wasn't right, if it was just a little bit off and there was just one part off and it was a little bit lighter, that means planets, and stars and galaxies and everything would have just drifted apart. Nothing would have been able to coalesce in a blink of an eye. And if it was just a little bit more, one part in 10 to the 60th power, if it was just a little bit more, everything would have crushed itself. Matter would have just compacted down on itself. And mind you, this, again, this had to happen like that. There was no, like, second chance on this. It just had to happen the way that it did in everything to, for everything to be put together. Now, another thing I learned this week, very interesting, and uh, is stars, right? Now, I knew stars existed before, of course, but I was like, man, stars are fascinating machines. Like, they are just these like, crazy constant balls of energy that are just churning and churning and churning. And inside a star, the molecules and atoms that are inside the star have to do a very, very precise and perfect dance in order for that star to even exist. So the odds that this would happen in just one star are astronomical astronomical. And now, multiply that out by trillions of trillions of stars in our universe. Like, the odds, again, that this is all going to happen in the blink of an eye, this perfection, just not like on one level, but like multiplied out across an entire universe. It's like, it's really fascinating to think that, and, and again, how does the evidence point to a designer? Well, the precision of it, the fine-tuning of it is really, really interesting to me. And so, to stop and take a pause right there in the middle of our thing. So we got the universe and just the evidence of everything and how that, for me, I just I really feel like it makes a strong case for a God. And then the fine-tuning of that universe are good. 
But I want to like take a pause and just like drill down a little bit. Like, how does that matter for your life? So, right, my spouse just left me. I just lost my job. My kids are sick with some kind of terminal illness, right? Like, I'm going to lose my house. I can't pay the bills next month. Like, it's cool to talk about all this stuff, but we got to let it drip down into our lives. Like, that's what God intended with this stuff, is that it would make a difference in the way that you live your life. And something I honestly never noticed before, uh, I just, I guess I never really paid much attention, is a pattern in Psalm chapter 19. So when King David, 30, uh, we'll say 3,000 years ago, from right now, when he wrote this, here's what he does. He looks up and he says these famous words, the heavens declare the glory of God. And a lot of us kind of know that part. But then what he does, and we're going to read it this morning, and I just want you to listen, because then he takes that and he says, okay, look up there. There's a creator that did all this, right? And so then he takes a weird turn. He says, all right, if that's true, then he's given us his word. Then third step, that must mean something in my life. So he goes from the wonder of creation to, okay, this, this affects the moral choices that I make. So these, like, there's actually a long leap that I never really paid much attention to, I guess. I'm a pastor, and I should have, but I didn't. And so Psalm 19, this is really interesting. He says, first verse, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour out speech, and night after night, they communicate knowledge. There's no speech, there's no words, the voice isn't heard, but their message is gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. And then down in verse 7, the instructions. Now he's like taking that knowledge of God now to the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. Verse 10, they're more desirable than gold, an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them. So now it's kind of, now it's dripping down into the choices he makes. And there's great reward in keeping them. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Don't let them rule me. That's a great prayer, by the way. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. So this wonder and awe of the universe drips right down into his life. And he said, all right, if there is a creator, and he said he gave me this word, that, that means something for me. And God revealed himself in the universe so that we could know we could trust him in his word. That's a pretty fascinating idea. And in the New Testament, a thousand years after King David would pen this, Paul would say this in the New Testament in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. We read chapter, or verse 20 together, but this is verse 19. We can be known, or what can be known about God is evident among them, among people, because God has shown it to them. And this is what we read for our call to worship. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. In other words, God revealed himself on purpose. God wants us to know him and also that there's an expectation on us. So I don't, again, I'm not just trying to give a trivia message here or doing a trivia series. Like this stuff should leak down into our lives and it should affect the way that we follow God. If, in fact, he is the creator of the universe, then I guess he has some say in my life. Right? Like he has some kind of say in my life. All right? So back to our points. So we had the universe itself, 
we got the fine-tuning of that universe, but there's another amazing leap that happens that is also unbelievable and also hard to even wrap our minds around, is that matter coming into existence is a pretty big deal, but also that that matter could then go into life is a, is a complex process that we still don't completely understand. Like, scientists still don't really understand how we had matter and then how all of a sudden then we had life, because the leap from one to the other is huge. And so that, even in and of itself, is a great example of another reason. It's like, okay, so there was someone guiding that process to go from something that shouldn't have been there, and then now it's sustaining and supporting life. As some scientists have said, it seems like the whole entire universe has been finally tuned to support life on Earth. Like, and this is like an atheist scientist, right? So now scientists are atheists, obviously, but there's somebody that didn't believe in God, but he's like, it is kind of weird that the universe seems to be fine-tuned for life here on this planet. Right? So it's like there's something special, even from a scientific perspective. So life itself is an amazing thing to just be in awe about. Now, the last one I wanted to give you. So we've got the universe, the fine-tuning of that universe, and then the leap to life. But then we also have something that I think is a little more, like, well, a little more down-to-earth, so to speak. And there, this one, it, it impacts the way that you live. It impacts you know, the world that you see around you, the, the world you feel around you. Because we can talk about the universe and the stars and all that good stuff, and that's cool, but how do we, and this is a classic argument for the existence of God, how do we decide what is right and what is wrong morally, right? How do we live in this world if it's only up to us to decide what is right and wrong? Now, some people on this will be like, look, we don't need God to do that, right? Through evolution, there's going to be a sense it's a social construct. It's not real. But there's going to be a sense that people are going to do what's best for society, right? For the furthering of the species. And I'm like, that's a valid point. I see that. The only problem is nowhere in history do you see that, right? Like, if you look at the historical record, man, we are completely incapable of doing that. And also, if you look at the historical record, you will see this wave back and forth. Back and forth. Like, oh, that's terrible. We shouldn't do that. We need to do this. Oh, what? actually, that was wrong. Let's go back over here and let's try this again. And that's what happens with people. And if you know history, that's why it's important, right? If you don't, you're doomed to repeat the same mistakes. And so, this, like, you see evidence of this in history. And I want to give you, like, a, like a practical today example, a couple of them. So, who are we? Who are we in America to look at a, a country like China and say, hey, you shouldn't be doing that stuff to your people. You can't be enslaving them. And that's not right to force them to only have one child and just abort all the girls, because that's who's being aborted in China, is all the girls. And they're having a population crisis right now because there's only a bunch of boys running around and just a handful of girls. They've created a nightmare for themselves. But who am I to say that that's wrong? It's their government. It's their culture. It's their beliefs. Who do I think I am? to say that they shouldn't be doing that. Who are we, America? Why are we so arrogant to think that we should be able to tell North Korea what to do? So what if they kidnap people in the middle of the night and murder people that disagree with the government? So what? That government is in charge, and that government should be able to do what they decide. This is the issue. And this is the thing that other countries say about us. Right? Russia says that all of our enemies are like, who are you, America? Why don't you stay out of our business? How do we morally argue that and say, well, that's what you're doing is not right? Well, what, according to you, white boy? Right? Like, these are real issues that are happening in the world. And if it's just us, who wins? Is it the loudest 
That's who wins in America, right? Is it like who would lose it? People would get canceled. That's what happens in America. Plenty talking to people from other countries because they're just like, man, you guys are nuts. Like canceling each other all the time. Nobody can say any words because everybody's hurt by everything. It's like it's funny. It really is. Like okay, so the rest of the world's not crazy. It's just us, you know. But who's right? Who's wrong? Without a creator, without something outside of ourselves, that gets really, really hard to do. Because again, who is going to decide what is right and wrong? And right now, in our own country, we are really struggling with this. Really struggling with this. Right? Think about the, the debate and the argument over trans rights. Who gets to decide? Like, man, we shouldn't be mutilating little kids. We should be protecting them and getting them the mental health care that they need. Like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's just, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's right? No, 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 you need to let them do this. That's who their inner self is. This is really hard. Really hard. And who gets to decide, right? And this is why we need to have, especially trans rights conversations, this is why we need to do it with compassion. This is why we need to do it with gentleness and respect, like First Peter says. Because this is like real down-to-earth stuff that makes a big deal but right and wrong is a really, really tricky one to get into. All right? So, back to my question. How do we know God's real? How can we know for sure? What I think is cool about the answer to this is that God was so intentional about giving us this answer. He was so creative in the way that he gave us this answer. He said, not only do I want you to know me, but I'm going to blow your mind in the way that I did it. I want to surprise you and what I've revealed, and what I've done, and as you discover with the web telescope, like, you're going to find some amazing stuff out there. I found this article in The Atlantic. It was really interesting, written by this, um, like, their scientific journalist or whatever, and he was interviewing all these, um, like, well, I guess they're uh, rocket scientists, and they're astronomers, and, like, people that are way smarter than me, and they were all saying the same thing. What we're seeing, because of this web telescope, is not what we should be seeing. Like, everything that we thought was right about the universe, like, these galaxies that we're finding are way bigger and way more developed, way further back in the timeline. Like, we thought these things would take a while to develop, and it seems like they're all just kind of really big right away. And it's like, yeah, it's like what the Bible does, you know? And it's like, so it's fascinating. And so these, like, all these scientists were just saying how much fun it is to discover all these things, because they're like, one woman said, man, the universe is just way more fun than I thought it was. It's way more weird than I thought it was. And it's like, yeah, and I think God's just like, yeah, just keep looking. Just keep looking. I'm just going to keep amazing you, you know? So all these things out there I think are incredible, and he's giving us this as evidence. And so, the, again, back to our ideas, you know, that we have here. So about the start of all Knowing how something works is not the same as knowing why something works. Next, knowing that it exists is not the same as knowing where it came from. So what we have is, is evidence for design. We have the universe itself. We have the fine-tuning of that universe. We have the amazing leap from matter to life. And then we have that understanding of, like, man, morally right and wrong on our own, we really struggle with that. And we're not getting better with that. And there's no way to know inside of ourselves unless we have a designer who says, I made this all, and here's my parameters. But we don't have to hear that. But knowing, again, knowing that something is here is not the same as knowing where it came from. And I think God has revealed himself in incredible ways that he does actually want us to know. Psalm 19, Romans chapter 1. He actually does want us to know him. Here's my closing thought, though, on that. This stuff is really fun for me. I do, I really personally enjoy apologetics and things like this. But, it's got to do something in your life, right? 
It has to do something in your life. Just like King David, I'd love for you to leave. If you follow Jesus, if you know him as your Savior, I'd love for you to leave here with the same heart that David had. Lord, look at all this stuff you've done. And look at the words that you've given me. The same one that did that gave words to me because he wants me to know him. And that means that there's an expectation on my life. The way that I live. I don't care what my culture is like, how angry they get, how they talk to each other. I'm going to be different because the creator of the universe tells me, if you love me, keep my commands. So i got to know his commands. I'm going to live them out. Right? That's what Jesus expects of us. He expects us to be different. And if you're not a believer, I'd love for you just to walk away today being like, okay, maybe there are some things to consider. Right? Maybe there are at least a couple things to consider about a creator. And maybe, as a Christian church, of course, we're going to say, well, Jesus said he was God. Jesus says he is that God. And so, like, considering that, knowing that the creator of the universe would say, I want relationship to be so bad, I'm going to come to earth, and I'm going to do the Easter story for you. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die a terrible death, and I'm going to be resurrected for you. Because I made this all because I want relationship with you. That floors me whenever I think of stuff like that. When I look at the skies, I'm like, man, just like David did, he said, well, what is man that you would consider him? Look at all the stuff you did. Look at me. And you would die for me? You want a relationship eternally with me? You want me to have a new life in this life? That's something to consider. So these are things I'd love for us just to walk away with. And not just, oh, that's really interesting, but man, what is that doing in your life? What is that doing in your life? So let me close out there. So Lord, I thank you. Just what you revealed uh, and what you continue to reveal. Lord, this universe is fascinating. Our bodies, this world around us, unbelievably fascinating, Lord. And, um, and for me, it does. And I know everybody agrees with that, but me, it just it points to that designer. It points to intention. It points to ultimately love. Because you would come here as God, and you would give your life so that we could have a relationship with you, with a creator, with a star breeder, Lord. It's an amazing thing. So help us, Lord, just to, to soak this stuff up. Help us to share it. Help us to be the church, Lord. Be your people. You're like shining lights, Lord. And I pray that in your name, Jesus Christ. In your church, Amen. All right, we love you all. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.